the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The world is a complicated place. You need someone to expose the political fakers, fixers, and takers, and to cut through the mindless chatter and misdirection to help you make sense of it all. That person is Dan Proft, and this is The Dan Proft Show. Welcome back to The Dan Proft Show in uh, response to uh, the ongoing proclamations from uh, St. Tony Fauci of COVID-19 such as uh, most recently that uh, just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you're able to go out and do things like dine indoors or go see a movie, state of Florida, state of South Dakota, a few others notwithstanding, despite the idea that you should be under continued lockdown restrictions even after being vaccinated. Uh, Scott Atlas, Dr. Scott Atlas, formerly of Stanford, formerly of the Trump administration's COVID response team, went on with Hannity last night to um, sort of frame this discussion with a question that people should be considering as these proclamations continue, even as there is so much encouraging news coming out, including today. This happened, of course, after the interview last night. But today, the FDA announcing that it has uh, deemed the Johnson & Johnson single jab vaccine safe and effective. So there's the third American vaccine to come online or will be shortly. Here's what Scott Atlas had to say. So we're talking about a huge percentage of people that have immunity from either the infection and now the vaccine. The point of this is to stop people from dying and lead a normal life. The point is not to be fearful for the rest of our lives about, oh, what if scenarios? What if there's a new variant? What if there's new pandemics? I mean, this is the point. We have to ask, what is the time that we can lead a normal life? And as we get the the high-risk people protected with vaccines, vaccination voluntarily, I hope, uh, we then can open up and we should open up right now many things, including the schools, as has been said, ad nauseum. That's the data. Remember, this is a virus that the overwhelming majority of people do well with. This is not the bubonic plague. We're not underestimating its seriousness, but we still see, you know, 99.5% of people survive if you're under 70. And of people who are high risk and elderly, we want to get enough of them vaccinated. And with the radioactive word here, herd immunity of the infected people and with the vaccinated people, they will be protected and we should be opening up. And there's no reason to sit there and invoke fear in everybody as a permanent part of American life. That's sort of the uh, same direction that Dr. Joseph Ladapo took in a recent op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, the Universal Vaccination Chimera. He's uh, Joseph Ladapo, Associate Professor at UCLA's David Geffen School of Medicine. Dr. Ladapo joins us again. Doc, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me, Dan. So, I mean, it seems like we've been battling this construct from the beginning, which is, how do you want to live your life? Do you want to live your life with uh, under worst case scenario sort of protocols, or do you want to live your life under most likely scenario protocols? And that tension persists. You're absolutely correct. It really shouldn't even be an argument. We know that it makes no sense to live life in some fearful way where you are continuously worried about 
different possibilities. I mean, we actually have a, a medical clinical diagnosis for that. So that's not the way to live life. And we've seen so much uh, loneliness, so much um, unhappiness, so much conflict over the past year. It is far beyond time to get beyond that. And uh, you, you write in your piece about uh, the, the mutations. This has become an issue that has been, you know, arguably used by those peddling fear to continue to peddle fear. You know, well, what about the variants and, and the, the thing is mutating? And so we still have to be in sort of a lockdown posture and so forth. And, you know, part of this is a question of some of these 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 mRNA vaccines and sort of how they evolve with the evolving virus, as I understand it, or the mutating virus. Do they mutate with the mutated virus? And then the other aspect is just what you, what you wrote about it as well, in part, in your Wall Street Journal piece, which is you know, you're not going to get to zero risk. You're not going to get to zero infections. That is not realistic, and you have to live on this mortal coil. Yeah, that's correct. And there is uncertainty. We really don't know what will happen in the future. We never did. But what we do know, and what has been the case, has been that the vast majority of people, as Dr. Atlas was saying on that interview, are fine. So until we have information that suggests that large swaths of the population are actually at high risk of having serious illness, it makes absolutely no sense to take draconian measures. Uh, there's a, a piece in The Atlantic uh, by Joe Pinsker, who's a staff writer there, and he talks to a bunch of public health experts, uh, Brown and elsewhere. And here's his summation of the timeline for a return to something approach, approaching pre-COVID-19 normalcy. He describes this by season, an uncertain spring, uh, an amazing summer as uh, more opening occurs, a cautious fall and winter, and then finally in 2022, uh, maybe we get some more permanent relief, including at some point when Dr. Fauci so declares it, uh, the removal of our masks. We'll see. Is that a fair? Is that a, is that how you think about this? So I have I don't know the writer and I have nothing against him. But what I hope your listeners and every American will understand is that it is, in my opinion, completely ridiculous. I and mean, we really need to just be done with these uh, draconian measures and get on with it. It's just, it's completely ludicrous. I, I just, I, I really hope that more Americans wake up to this. It's completely crazy. What's your sort of self-assessment of your profession and, uh, and, and what evolution, if any, have you seen over the last year? Oh, that's a great question. I, I'm really, I love being a doctor. I love taking care of patients. And I know that for most of my colleagues, that's also true. And we take a tremendous amount of pride in what we do clinically. The challenge with this virus and the pandemic policy is that many of us physicians don't have a background in health policy. We don't have a background in health economics or economics in general. And we don't have a background in anthropology. We don't have a background in sociology. And, and coming up with policies, thinking about how to run a society while you're dealing with a pandemic is something that requires pulling together more than one field, not just clinical medicine. I mean, if you just pull, pull, if you just rely on clinical medicine, you get what we got, which is this, basically this, uh, this just this narrow view of what health means. And basically, for the past year, health has been defined as not getting infected with COVID-19. But we know anyone who, uh, anyone who thinks about what uh, the things that that motivate humans and make us productive and help and contribute to our happiness know, of course, that health is 
more than avoiding infection by COVID-19. So unfortunately, many physicians have been making recommendations that ultimately, ironically, may be helpful for reducing COVID-19, but are not helpful for advancing human health. And that's that's where we are. Yeah, and and I think your your piece about the the universal vaccine vaccination uh, chimera, the the idea that um, you know getting to uh, uh, a zero risk world is as improbable uh, as is impossible. I shouldn't say improbable, impossible with respect to infectious disease as it is with respect to you know driving, um, and and. Uh, and, and we're seeing this play out with schools, aren't we? I mean, where you basically have an environment with study after uh, you have study after study that describes the environment that research is, you know, credible research into the environment that suggests there's, you know, basically no transmission, particularly student to teacher. And yet it's still in so many quarters, a protracted fight every step of the way to get kids back in school even though there's the universal, at least rhetorical support for the idea that kids should be in school and in-person learning is better than Zoom learning. I, I think the school example and the recalcitrance of so many to get back to what we understand to be true because you can imagine some risk that may be lurking despite this mountain of evidence, boy, that suggests just how difficult it's going to be you know, sort of psychologically to get a, a certain percentage of the population back to normalcy no matter who declares what when. It, it, it really is devastating. And I, I want to acknowledge, as you said, that, that, you know, there are concerns about risk from the teachers. However, the data from multiple countries now shows that that risk is very, very, very low. And even where it's higher for teachers that may be at increased risk, there are options. For example, those teachers could teach remotely or even take other options that allow the children to be in school with someone else overseeing the classroom that's lower risk. These are not complex solutions. And it's, it's really, I mean, the, the degree of devastation with what we are doing with the children is probably something that we'll be writing about for, uh, for years because it's the, the disruption for many children of their social you know, network, their friendships, their development, their stability um, is, 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 is just, uh, it's got to be uh, just devastating for so many children. And it's, it's unbelievably harmful. He is Dr. Joseph Ladapo, Associate Professor at UCLA's David Geffen School of Medicine. Dr. Joseph Ladapo, thanks as always for joining us. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Have a great day. Take care. Well, we're- seat and sharpen your pencils class is in session with professor dan proft and the dan proft show